Wall Street veteran Bernard Madoff has been arrested and charged with running a $50 billion Ponzi scheme. Congress wants to know what caused the Enron meltdown. Now, well, the collective rage currently is focused on Wilcom. Tyco CEO Dennis Koslowski was convicted of looting hundreds of millions of dollars. This is one of the biggest fraud cases ever. Their president's a crook. Well, I'm not a crook. Find out more on this week's episode of White Collars, Red Hands. The year is 1893. And people are flocking from all over the world to Chicago to visit the World's Fair. Known as the World's Columbian Exposition at the time, named because it was on the 400th anniversary of Columbus reaching the New World. Oh, great. We're we're not going to get into it, but obviously we don't agree with it. Uh, The pier in Chicago was home to many attractions for people from every corner of the globe to admire, including the original and first Ferris wheel, uh, life-size reproductions of Christopher Columbus's ships, one of the first motion pictures ever, uh, the first moving walkway, the conveyor belt thing at airports. I like Um, to walk on those as fast as I can because it makes me feel powerful. Scientists don't do that. So, Uh, Among many other things, America had outdid themselves in an attempt to one-up the previous World's Fair, which saw the unveiling of the Eiffel Tower in Paris. Chicago, coming off the rebuilding after the Great Chicago Fire in 1871, had become a fitting place to hold the event, as the second city built became home to the skyscrapers that now dominate the skylines of every major city in the world. For six months, up until an assassination of Chicago Mayor Carter Harrison cut the event short, Chicago was the most bustling city in the world. And the event was so momentous, it is demarcated by one of the four stars that decorate the Chicago flag. But with every crowd, there is someone lurking to take advantage of those who they can separate from it. The World's Fair is now remembered equally for the Ferris wheel as it is for the topic of today's episode, who supposedly lured people from the fair only to meet their ghastly demise in a castle built for nothing but death and suffering. The Devil of the White City, the American Ripper, the Mustached Menace, that one I made up, uh, Henry Howard Holmes. You're the Mustached Menace. Wow. This man murdered people. I, not yet. You murdered those nachos last night. I didn't eat nachos last night. I I had pizza. I had pizza. You murdered that pizza last night. A Detroit-style pizza at a meeting with my improv group. Thank you very much. I was like, damn, you cheated on me, but it was with your improv group. I can't have pizza with somebody else. Not Detroit-style. You're so jealous. (laughs) I am. I want some pizza. Well, I mean, there's a lot of pizzerias in Chicago, so you know, you're you're welcome to at any time pick up a pizza. You're an adult. It's true. Yeah. So, uh, welcome back, everyone, to the season nine finale of White Collars Red Hands. It's Kashan and Nina, and we're repping the the, the merch today for the yeah, season finale. Look at that! Uh, so, thank you for showing up, and uh, we've done eight of these. This is the ninth season finale. So, by now, you all should know that uh, today is murder committed by the wealthy. Or at least today, the uh, apparently wealthy, it is not really known how much money Holmes had because he kept changing his fucking name so much. Probably uh, to stay a secret. But we know that he was a big con man, and a lot of people thought he was a millionaire, so 
we're just kind of going with it. And also, it's another it's another Chicago story. Last season finale was, of course, Leopold and Loeb. Oh yeah, that one was bad. The two young men in the early nine or the early twentieth century murdered a young boy right here in Chicago, and now we're uh, going about ten years before them to talk about H. H. Holmes, Doctor H. H. Holmes. Perfect. Why am I yawning? Okay. So uh, let's get into it. All right. H.H. Uh, Holmes was not born H.H. Holmes, uh, but rather the much more boring name of Herman Webster Mudgett. That is a terrible name. Yeah, the, the Mudgets, a long, a long line of Mudgets, I guess, uh, in the year of our Lord, 1861, uh, born to Levi Mudgett and Theodate Price. That's a bad name, too. Yeah, Theodate is not a good Theodate? I I never even heard that. I'm about to say, tell me if there's another pronunciation for that name, but Theodot. But why is the E at the end? Well, there's lots of I don't know. I don't know. I, I like Theodot's much better. It's not. Uh but Holmes was Why not Theodora? Okay, anyway, whatever. I don't know. <laughs> uh Holmes was born into a modest farming family of devout. Methodist. Lame. The Mudgets were big old Methodists. Yeah, but they were boring. Mudgets the Methodists. The method of... Method, method, Good job. The Methodist Mudgets. <laughs> this is what I was trying to say. Uh, there are many claims about Holmes's childhood that center on him killing small animals or suggest that his father was abusive and actually even claims that he murdered another child when he was a kid. Um, but honestly, we, we don't know much about his childhood. Uh, we do, however, know a story about Holmes as a boy. And according to this story, Holmes was terrified of the doctor's office. And in the mid-1800s, I would be too. A doctor's office is basically a place where a dude who chain-smoked also cuts off arms sometimes. Uh, th this is still the time when uh, barbers were dentists and surgeons. <laughs> Yeah, that this is the time of leeches to bleed you of your fever. So, but this is also the time when if you were a crazy woman, they would give you an orgasm. So it's not all bad. The, we have the technology, right? Yes, thank you to whoever invented the vibrator around this time. I forget his name. You knew his name at one point? No. Great. I never knew his name. <laughs> Great. Uh, but I, I appreciate his work. <laughs> I'm just, uh, I, I don't know. I'm just such, I'm just such a fan. I will say I would be afraid to use a vibrator from the 1800s. It can't be that much. What, you think it's going to explode? Yeah. It's like. It's, How did they even charge it? <laughs> not batteries. I, I don't know. You think it was steam powered? Like they poured a bunch of water yeah. into a steam engine and they're just like. They like boiled water on the stove and then poured it into the vibrator. Just like, oh, all right, ma'am. Get rid of your uh, 13 pairs of underclothes and let's let's crawl through that bush and get this steam powered vibrator up in there. I hope they cleaned it in between uses too. They probably didn't know any better. Absolutely not. Ah. It gets all the magic off. Uh <laughs> Uh, Gets the magic off. That's how things worked back in the day. They were just Yuck. like, I don't know, it's magic. Sean, that's foul. Uh, <laughs> also foul, Holmes' upbringing. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, Holmes was supposedly horribly bullied because he was a huge nerd. Everyone was like, everyone talks about he, he was very intelligent as a child, so everyone else uh, picked on him because he was a big fucking nerd and no one liked him because um, he sucked. Um, 
So one day, a group of classmates shoved him into the local doctor's office, knowing that he was afraid and unwilling, and forced him to confront a medical skeleton, which at the time was made of real bones. Uh, today, they're not. They're made out of fake bones. Uh, but instead of fear, Holmes found that he wasn't afraid at all. That how the bones were connected actually intrigued him, and he developed a deep love for medicine, or at the very least, a love for cutting people up and seeing how they work, which technically was kind of medicine at the time. Uh, Holmes followed up on this dream by enrolling in the University of Vermont, but peaced out after a year to go to one of the best medical schools of surgery of the day, which is not saying much in the late 1800s, but nevertheless, uh, the University of Michigan. Uh, go Wolverines, I guess. Yeah. I hate them, though. Uh, Why do you hate them? I'm a Michigan State fan, all right? Why are you a Michigan State fan? Go Groon. Arizona. It's a long and boring story that no one who's listening to this cares about. Okay. Uh, message me privately if you're just like a really big Spartans fan, I guess. Uh, while at this school, though, it is said that Holmes and a colleague made money on the side by grave robbing. Uh, believe it or not, a common practice for medical students at the time because it was illegal to perform autopsies as it was seen as desecration of a corpse. So they would steal bodies in the middle of the night from freshly dug graves so they could cut them up and see how things worked. That is such devotion to your craft. Also, I mean, digging bodies up. Gross for sure. But without this, who knows where our knowledge of modern anatomy would be. Most of the anatomy that was discovered from this grave robbing practice in the late 1800s, early 1900s, formed the foundation for like modern uh, medical understanding of the human body. And most of it has not changed since then. Yeah, but it was still shitty. We can agree on that. Eh. I would be pissed if someone dug up my grandpa... And cut him up without asking. Oh, man, I don't care. He's dead. Well, it's rude. Honestly, they can do when When I die, they can do whatever they want. Yeah, I'm just going to donate my body to science. They can strap me naked ass up to a, to a bus and parade me through town. I don't care. I'm dead. No one wants to see that. I don't think they'd do it, but they could. And I wouldn't be that upset. Do whatever you want. Okay. But I'm not going to give you any ideas, actually, because you might do something. Uh, well, I'm not touching your dead body. Uh, you, you'd pay someone else to. Uh, no, I wouldn't. Okay. I uh, care about the dead. I don't believe you. I want your soul to rest. I don't peacefully. have one. I don't have one. Oh. Uh, Holmes also supposedly used the corpses in insurance fraud schemes, uh, where he would take an insurance policy out on a fictional person and then present an impossible-to-identify body to the insurance company to collect on that policy. Um, we don't know if he did this actually, but he talked about doing it a lot. Well, wouldn't they need a policy though? Yeah. He would take out a policy on someone, but this oh, is, he would take out the policy. Yeah. Then he would. And then he'd be like, Hey, here's my cousin. He's dead. And they couldn't, I, they, he'd be get someone who's like really burned or something and they wouldn't be able to identify the body. So they're like, okay, here's your payout. Um, and this is at the time when. It was yeah, hard no to DNA. identify I mean, people. There was no DNA test. Yeah, they they ju they'd it. just be like, uh, sure. Yeah. They couldn't even verify if a person was real. Yeah. You know, so whatever. Um, it's also said uh, that he may have murdered a colleague at the time, a fellow medical student, um, in order to collect a $40,000 insurance policy on him. But we also don't know for sure. We know that mm. that student did die. 
around when Holmes knew him, but that's kind of all we have on that. Um, at this time, Holmes had already married and had a son with one Clara Lovering. Uh, after Holmes graduated from medical school in two years, it took two years to not to get in and then out of medical school at the time. Well, it's the 1800s. Which shows you how much you needed to know. They were basically like, here's how to chop off a leg. Get out there, doctor. But after he graduated, Clara fled from him because he was rumored to have been violent towards her. Uh, she took their son, Robert, and never kept into contact. Good for her. Robert it became a CPA. Just so you know. He became an accountant. Ah, oh, good for him. And he was an elected board of Orlando, like on the board of Orlando, Florida. Huh. So, All right. They went down south. Sure. Uh, Holmes then moved across the country. Uh, as you will learn, he is very transient. Uh, he moved all across the country, scamming people as he went. Um, Holmes was inspired as a young boy by Andrew Carnegie, one of the richest men in history. Uh, and H.H. H. Holmes wanted desperately to be a big wheel, a fat cat. Uh, but the only way that Holmes knew how to do it was lying and stealing. H.H. Uh, H. Holmes loved to write bad checks and just genuinely loved to refuse to pay for anything bought on credit, which you will find out is a bit of a calling card of his later on. He's basically like, whenever someone came to ask him to pay for something, he'd be like, no. And it worked. <laughs> Damn, I'm going to try that with my credit card bill. Well, no, no, they can't do it anymore. Now they'll find you. Mm. But, but but back then he he had like he had like seventeen or more aliases or something that he would just go around the country writing bad checks with different aliases and 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 just scamming people using different names and then no one could ever find him. What a time to be alive! Uh, yeah, you could just do whatever you wanted. Um, in eighteen eighty six, Holmes found himself in in Minneapolis after bouncing around the country working odd jobs, mostly at pharmacies. When he found himself marrying one Murda Belknap. These are bad names. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, Mudget and Belknap at this point. Uh, Could you imagine if they had a kid and hyphenated it? Oh, man. Good old, like, Charlie Mudget Belknap. Yeah, Ugh. poor guy. Uh, I also don't know if it's Belknap or Belknap. Uh, either way, it's bad. Both bad. Either way, it's bad, though. Uh, the only issue was that Holmes never fully divorced his first wife, Clara. Oops. Uh, making his union to Murda illegal, although she wouldn't find that out until much later. She didn't know. He actually filed to for a divorce, but then they couldn't contact Clara, because they couldn't find her, so they never actually got annulled, but he married someone else. Uh, he actually, I don't mention this later, but he married a third person as well. All of his wives, by the way, lived. No. Ah. They lived until the end of Holmes's life. Uh, he never murdered a wife. Interesting. Yeah, so if he put a ring on it, if you he liked it, then it. he really kept the ring on it. If he didn't murder you, then he probably put a ring on it. Yeah. Um, after the nuptials with Murda, uh, Holmes and Murda moved to the place where Holmes would become infamous, the neighborhood of Inglewood, Chicago, Illinois. Interesting. Uh, when Holmes first came to Chicago is when he fully became Dr. Henry Howard Holmes instead of Herman Mudgett. <laughs> While bouncing around the country, he had used many different aliases, like I said, while duping insurance companies or writing bad checks, but H.H. H. Holmes is obviously his most famous. Could you imagine yelling the name Hermit in bed? Or Herman? Uh, 
women didn't speak during sex in the 1800s, Nina. I guess that's true. Please. If you moaned or something, it was probably against the Lord. Uh, I don't know. And who knows if he was still a devout Come Methodist. on! You don't think one woman was having good sex in the 1800s? Uh, I think the proportion was very small. Even smaller oh, yeah. than it is now. Oh, which yeah. is already probably pretty small. Yeah. Uh, when he arrived, he... <laughs> <laughs> just wording i'm sorry i didn't i didn't know how that was i've it. arrived uh that is actually how men in the 1800s came they were just like oh oh i've arrived i've arrived <laughs> splendid thank you so much thank you very much uh, you top of the morning i shall see you in a fortnight uh <laughs> don't bother writing me a letter when he arrived not ejaculated uh he happened across a drugstore in the south chicago neighborhood of inglewood located on wallace and 63rd that was owned by one elizabeth holton holmes began working at the drugstore but it is said that soon after the owner uh holton's husband became violently ill and died hmm. soon after Elizabeth agreed to sell the drugstore to Holmes and then also mysteriously vanished from the face of the earth. Well, isn't that convenient? When someone asked Holmes about where uh, Miss Holton had gone to, by the way, he said she went to California. And then later they were like, hey, she hasn't come back. And he was like, she loved California so much she decided to stay. Good cover up, dude. Yeah. And then no one ever heard from her again. So I'll let you decide what happened there. Uh, the year after, Holmes would buy an empty lot adjacent to the drugstore and begin the three-year construction on what would become known as the Murder Castle. The three-story building would eventually hold storefronts on the first floor, a grouping of rooms that could be permanent living spaces on the second, and a hotel on the third. As the building was erected, as many as 500 workers put time into the project. This is because Holmes never had anyone work for more than a few days before firing them. Interesting. The reason for this were twofold. Firstly, Holmes did not have an architect to draw the plans for the building. Fuck yeah. Off he, of, just building off vibes. He did this himself. It is said that the reason he drew the plans for the building and fired the workers so fast is because he included a bunch of nefarious things into the building's Oh, into the building to make the hotel act as his own personal killing grounds. Each room on the second floor had a gas line running into it, the controls for which were only accessible on the third floor in Holmes's bedroom. He had built the rooms to only lock from the outside so that if Holmes wanted, he could simply lock a guest in the room, turn on the gas, and watch through a peephole as his victim suffocated to death, a method you will find Holmes was very fond of. What the Every room on the second floor had a gas line leading to it that he could turn on from his room. And then each room had a peephole that he could watch them die. On fucked up. Uh, yes. Uh, on top of that, there were many grease chutes that led from the second floor to the basement so that Holmes could dispose of his victims' bodies without anyone seeing him. Waiting for the corpses in the basement was either a lime pit, a vat of lye, or a large furnace that Holmes had built in the basement, which he told the workers was for. Glass blowing, but could easily cremate a body. He meant ass blowing. Yes. Oh, this is my ass blowing furnace, actually. Do you want to? You want to get in? You want to get in, Mister Holmes? Would please. Would you I'm, mind getting in the oven to clean it, <laughs> Mister Holmes? I would sooner try to climb up one of those grease chutes than have you blow my ass in that oven. <laughs> Stop! Stop it! 
You stop it right now, goddammit! Uh, so yeah, he could literally just like yeet a body into one of these grease chutes and slide all the way down like Sweeney Todd into the basement, and he could either dissolve them in a vat of a vat of lye or in uh, lime, which is used to like tan leather. Uh, and they would just dissolve could, in that, or he could cremate them. Yeah, well, their skin would. We'll find out what he was doing with everything else. Because what was it a show or a serial killer that like used some sort of chemical to burn the body? Uh, this has actually been done a lot. You you hear a lot about people yeah, who maybe. they get like fifty gallon drums and you can fill them with lye and like yeah. put someone in there and a full person will dissolve in like we're not advocating this. Uh, a full person will dissolve in like a couple days or something <sighs> and be like unidentifiable. I think even bones dissolve in it. So, but you need to get a lot of lye and they track that stuff now. Yeah. So. Don't do that at home, kids. Uh, some rooms were said to have been soundproofed with asbestos so that no one would be able to hear the screams that emanated from them. And anyone who'd get in one of those rooms. Uh, they get that, asbestos poisoning. I'm about to say, that's the long con, because 30 minutes later, bang, mesothelioma, you, they never even knew you murdered them. Mm-hmm. My grandpa had that. <laughs> it's no fun. Oh, bro. He did my family probably was entitled to compensation. Probably, if, if, the, if anything on TV is to be believed. Uh, and it is even said that in the basement, Holmes had put a stretching rack, like the ancient medieval torture device, and had no shit told the workers moving it in that he intended to use it to create a race of giants by stretching people out in some, the fuck? In some weird medical experiments. He's like, they're like... Hey, ain't this one of the, ain't this the the rack thing that they used to use in the medieval times? It's like, oh no no no! I'm just, I'm about to stretch them out. I'm just trying to make giants. <laughs> and then they didn't know anything about anything back then, so they were like, checks out. They're like, all right, any, any anything to get away from that goddamn ass blowing furnace. <laughs> you went from Cockney to Southern. It was impressive. Yeah, well, they're cock Southern. Why am I saying Southern cocks? I'm just saying the weirdest things today. Uh, Homes would therefore have workers only work for a few days and only on one small section at a time. So no one ever got the full picture of exactly what he was building. I mean, that's smart of him. Uh, The other reason, of course, being that he was a cheap prick uh, and would accuse the laborers of doing a shoddy job before firing them, and then refusing to pay them. What a bastard. Remember when I said he just said, I'm not going to pay you. That was his thing. This is just him doing it again. Ah, this sucks. I'm not going to pay you. And then he would just hire more people. And and that's why it took three years to get the the place built. And also, I guess it wasn't very structurally sound either. Because it it turns out if you have like one person build a staircase at a time. Yeah. You're building. And if you are a armchair architect maybe your building doesn't turn out that good but whatever uh, another example of the i'm not gonna pay method uh can be found in the castle actually uh homes had bought a large bank safe like a vault mm-hmm. on credit and then had he put it like on the land and then had them build the house around the vault uh, and then refused to pay for it at all. So when the creditors came knocking, he told them, yeah, you can repossess my vault, but if you damage any part of my building, I'm going to sue the hell out of you. So the assessors weighed the risks and were like, I guess just keep it. <laughs> what an asshole. 
how to get a free vault 101. Everyone's taking notes, right? Um, all you have to do is build a building around it. Now, Holmes was still married to Murda, uh, but he, he dressed very dashing. Again, trying to be like Carnegie. Uh, he was said to have been tall and lithe, so he was popular amongst the women. Even back then, women were suckers for height. I guess so. And a good mustache and a, and a, a bowler. Oh, fuck. I don't know if he always wore a bowler derby, but that's just what he has in his oh, mugshot. So man. that's always how I picture him. Um, oh, my. Oh, never mind. I was going to say my panties are moist. Gross. I was trying to think of what they would say back oh, then. Oh, Nani, you're sliding off the chair. Stop. Ah. Uh, <laughs> uh, so he was, he was already uh, married to two women. So why not add a few paramours? Uh, Murda actually did not live at the castle with Holmes. She lived at a separate, prop- blame her. a separate property outside of Chicago. Um, so Holmes liked to let young women stay at the hotel above all else. One of these women was Julia Smythe. Who had recently who had recently taken up residence on the second floor of the castle with her young daughter Pearl and husband Ned, but soon she began a romantic entanglement, just like Jada Pinkett Smith, uh, I was with, just say, with with Austin <laughs> with Holmes. When Ned found out, he straight up yeeted himself out of the situation, leaving his wife and daughter at the castle. No, don't leave Pearl. Especially when he found out that Julia was pregnant with Holmes's child. How did he know it was Holmes's? I don't know. Maybe he, he was like, they take him on, take her on Maury. I've been impotent for six years. Oh, that could be it. And you know that, you know that there's no way I haven't even gotten morning wood in three years. Julia, please. Um, Holmes agreed to stay with Julia. Father of the year. Um, if she agreed to an abortion, so, so maybe not a father yeah, of the so, year. so maybe not father of the year. Um, but of course, this abortion would be performed by Holmes himself. Did he know how to do that? He is a doctor. Did they know? Did they even have a wire coat hanger back then? Uh, here's the thing. I don't know how they did it. Tbh. Um, but the mortality rate was pretty high for abortions back in the day. Um, how but- did they perform? This is what we're going to do right now? I have to know. All right. Other methods to induce miscarriage were very hot baths and gym. Ex- gin. I'm sorry. Hot baths and gym. Gin. Work out a lot. Extreme exertion. A controlled fall down a flight of stairs. A controlled? How do you control a fall down a flight of stairs? Either way, whatever, whatever Holmes did... Uh, Okay, don't look this up, you guys. This Great. is scary. I don't know why we looked it up. To be I fair. had to know. Um, either way, uh, Holmes did do the procedure on Christmas Eve, nonetheless, 1891. Have uh, a holly jolly Christmas. Yeah, that was playing. You're bleeding out okay. here. Okay. No, 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 no. I'm going to stop you right there. Uh, I because don't know, but this is about no to get really sad in like this year. five seconds. All right. Um, so <laughs> Julia Smythe went in to the basement of the castle, never to be seen again. What happened to Pearl? Whether from the botched abortion, which did carry a high mortality rate at the time, or just because Holmes got bored with her, Julia was murdered. And what is worse than that is that Pearl, no, the young daughter 
was also never seen again after this night. And later excavation of the basement at the castle found a partial skeleton of a young girl around Pearl's age, buried underneath. Sorry, Pearl. Have a holly jolly, jolly yeah, Christmas. You, you, you like that that happened? Pearl isn't here. Oh my God! Yeah, I get. You know, it's a hundred years ago. So, oh I guess. by golly, have a holly jolly Christmas this year. Oh my God! Um, days later, Holmes sold it's a not med- chestnuts roasting on the open fire. Days later, <laughs> Holmes sold a medical skeleton no! to the medical school of Chicago. It is said that for many of his victims in the castle. Holmes would strip the flesh from the bone using lime or lye, then reassemble their bones to sell in this manner, especially because one of these things went for around $5,000 in today's money. It's actually not that much. So there could be as many as many as a dozen or more skeletons around the hospitals of Chicago that are one of, of his victims. people murdered. By H.H. H. Holmes. Okay, but like, weren't they catching on that this guy was has a surplus of skeletons? He was a doctor. That's where, where are you going to get him? He, obviously, he said, honestly, at the time, because so many people were just robbing graves, it was kind of a just like, you don't ask, don't tell policy. That they're like, we don't care where you got this. <laughs> I hate this. So, it is what it is. Um, Holmes continued hiring and killing mistresses. Uh, next was Emmeline Sagrand, who Holmes hired to be his personal stenographer and quickly began sleeping with. Uh, he purportedly murdered Emmeline in the vault, which also had a gas line leading to it, by the way, asking her to retrieve a letter and slamming the door behind her, turning on the gas, and as always, watching through a peephole in the door as she suffocated to death. Later, when the police searched the castle... They found a footprint etched in the door from Emmeline pushing on it with her bare feet. Holmes had poured acid on the bottom of the vaults to aid in the gas dispersal, and the caustic liquid forever left Emmeline's mark on the vault. How tragic. Mm -hmm. Uh, At this point, Holmes met the man that would eventually put the nail in his coffin. A lanky and supposedly previously attractive drunkard with seven children, Benjamin Peitzel. Ben Peitzel was a down-on-his-luck carpenter with a criminal past, and Holmes just so happened to be looking for a lackey. Ben was horribly poor, uh, as this was a time of economic disparity in America. And seven children and booze got pretty fucking expensive. So Ben agreed to be Holmes's right-hand man and was involved indirectly in the next murders. In 1893, two more victims were claimed after Holmes met Minnie Williams, She was the heir to a large patch of land in Fort Worth, Texas, which Holmes wanted desperately. And he somehow convinced her to sign over the deed to the land to Benjamin Peitzel, who was operating under the alias Benton Lyman. The only other person who could interfere with Holmes's retrieving the land, Minnie's sister Annie, came to visit Chicago. They spent a week enjoying the World's Fair happening at the time, before Annie and Minnie's families retrieved a note from the two that they had decided spontaneously to travel Europe. They were never heard from again. I don't think they went to Europe. I don't think they went to Europe either. Um, I think they went to England. I think they went went into a vault, is what I think happened. Um, Speaking of the World's Fair, 
It has been said that Holmes would lure people away from the fair. How long was the fair? Six months. Oh. It lasted six months in 1890. Oh, man. Whatever. Three. I'm pretty sure it was 1893. From May 1893 to November. October 1893. All right, so five months. Um, That's why the fair is only a week now. Yeah, well, this is the world's fair, not just you know, not just your your not regular old county fair. your regular old county fair. Okay, yeah, but I couldn't believe that that was like six months. Jesus, can you imagine having like a tourist affair happening for six months? Imagine if the Olympics went on for six months. Mm-mm. That sounds awful. Well, doesn't baseball last for longer than six months? It's kind of like that. Well, it la- no, because baseball doesn't happen all in one goddamn place. That's true. Okay. And yes, I said, God damn, we got to, we got to, I still remember the review we got about like, they said, God damn, like seven times. I'm like, fuck you lady. That's not, that's not the 17th worst thing I fucking said in my life. Okay. So you better calm down. Um, wow. Clearly Kashan is still heated about that. Rant. Oh, it's from like two years ago and I am still upset about it and I don't care. I was thinking the other day about how that person sounded, said that my voice sounded like it was reverberating off a toilet bowl or something. Yeah. But at least that one is true. Shut up. You saying God. God damn, it's true too. Uh, yeah, you're potty yeah, mouth. Yeah, you're right. Um, <laughs> Did he only kill women? For the most part, yeah. Um, Sexist pig. Uh, there are some men uh, that were said to have gone missing, or like that one guy that owned the drugstore mm-hmm. who maybe he he killed or just let him die of cancer. I mean, who knows? Um, but but he was purported to have both, but he, but more more likely he he killed women. Yeah. I think it's because he had power over women, though, is that he could, like, seduce women and then kill them. So, he could probably seduce men, too, but he was one of drying. <laughs> or maybe he did. I don't know. Who knows? Um, so, he's luring these people who are coming to the fair. But the only problem was is that many people, especially attractive young women, had a habit of running out without paying their bill and also leaving all of their items behind in their rooms. Weird. But it didn't seem to bother Holmes much, though. It can't be proven that Holmes murdered any rogue travelers during the fair, but he sold quite a few skeletons in those six months. At this point, things had gotten a little too hot for Holmes in Chicago, as either him under the name Holmes or one of his many other aliases had been the subject of over 50 lawsuits in Chicago alone. And an insurance company was coming down on him for arson after Holmes set his own house on fire and attempted to collect the insurance money. So he decided to move to his brand new piece of land in Fort Worth, Texas. Oh, how convenient. Where there was even mumblings that he was looking to build another hotel on that land. It never happens, but uh, he was looking to maybe franchise the murder castle. Mm. Uh, what did he do with the OG of murder castle? Oh, he it was still operating just without him present. Um, and he wanted to get into one big, big one more big score before calling it quits. He asked Peitzel if he would be a part of it, and he responded, "You son of a bitch, I'm in." So Peitzel knew he was killing people? Uh, I mean, maybe. Oh, or just another scheme. This is just another scheme. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Um, the idea was to have Peitzel fake his own death, masquerading as an inventor named B.F. Perry, which this is just such a stupid idea, but whatever. Like, why did he have to be an inventor? They're like, they're like. Yeah, it's dumb. It feels like a college actor writing a backstory to a very yes. small role. 
They're like, yes. and I'm an inventor, and my name is B.F. Perry, and they're like, you're tree number two. Calm down, Kyle. Um, uh, so, but they had him dress up as B.F. Perry, or dress up, pretend to be B.F. Perry, so that his wife could collect the $10,000 insurance policy for all of them to split. Which, by the way, Peitzel faked that he was B.F. Perry for like six months, like registering as him and living as B.F. Perry for like six months before the scheme actually went down. Acting is living truthfully under imaginary circumstances, yeah, Sean. I'm calling it right now. Ben Peitzel invented the method. Probably. <laughs> he was the first method actor. Um, in 1894, Holmes was actually jailed for a few days for the selling of mortgaged goods in St. Louis, which is a weird charge. But that's what he was in for before he eventually got bailed out. Um, in the pen, though, he met another prisoner serving a 25-year sentence named Marion Hedgepeth. And for some reason, unknown to anybody, he told Hedgepeth all about the insurance, pl the insurance scheme that he was brewing. Why would he do that? I don't know. But he did. Um, he even asked Hedgepeth if he knew a lawyer who was chill enough um, who would be part of the plan because he needed a lawyer on their side to file the paperwork. Um, and somehow Hedgepeth did know a guy and Holmes told him that he would give him $500 of the insurance money for the referral if it worked out. So in Philadelphia, later that year, the plan was enacted. Holmes set up a fake explosion in the quote-unquote inventor's lab <laughs> but instead of using a so stupid he's just like yeah and you're inventing something and it explodes and there's a pew, pew, there's fire and someone jumps from a window they're just like really spitballing they're really into this they're really spitballing here um but instead of using a cadaver which was the original plan and for an unknown reason Holmes used Peitzel himself, killing him with chloroform before setting his body on fire with benzene. Oh, man. Yeah, so he just killed Peitzel in, instead. Um, the insurance company bought the story of Peitzel's death. I mean, he also did have the real body, so yeah. maybe that's part of it, um, and paid out the insurance claim to Holmes. But the police who retrieved the corpse afterwards were not so impressed. Uh, if this man had been in a chemical explosion, uh, his limbs should have been all messed up. That's what they said. They were like, uh, he shouldn't have like his limbs or they at least should be like, he would have covered his face something, but he just had superficial burns only on his face. That's not going to work. Um, on top of that, the body literally reeked of chloroform. Um, like he had doused him in chloroform. Um, and had it just been like trace amounts, it, probably would have been impossible to test for it because obviously forensic right, science at the right. time was not CSI. Yeah, they weren't doing anything like uh, that. They didn't really know how to do anything, but anyone with a nose knew that some foul play must have been involved. They were literally yeah, like, this didn't. guy smells like chloroform. He didn't plan this out very well. I was like, I think, I think something's amiss here. Um, that being said, they still would have had an issue identifying Peitzel or linking Holmes to the case had it not been for the fact that Holmes made an enemy of Marion Hedgepeth by never sending him the $500 he promised him. You idiot. Uh, when Hedgepeth read about Peitzel's death in the newspapers, he recognized the scheme and, and after never receiving the money, decided to contact the Pinkerton Detective Agency to report what had happened, which... 
Uh, by the way, just a little side note, the Pinkerton Detective Agency is crazy. Um, they were the first and only at this time national crime investigation agency that coordinated across borders to catch people and to share information across borders between locations. That's crazy. Everywhere. Something the police wouldn't do until the late 20th century, like after uh, um, Ted Bundy, like after the Ted Bundy murders is when um, they started doing it across when borders. police started talking to each other about crimes in That's like nuts. the seventies. Um, but the Pinkertons were doing it in the late 1800s. Uh, they also pioneered mugshots. They came up with the, the idea of mugshots to keep a database of known criminals. Um, the police didn't do that first. It was the Pinkerton detective agency. Interesting. This is also where the term private eye comes from because uh. their, uh, their like motto was like the all seeing eye. Mm -hmm. So when you hired someone, you were having a private eye. They had uh -huh. eyes everywhere. Um, so he so he contacted the Pinkerton Detective Agency, who would go on to try and hunt Holmes down for the murder. In the meantime, though, Holmes was leading Peitzel's wife on just a, a wild I goose chase. I was going to say, I feel bad for those kids. Yeah, Peitzel's family still believed um, Peitzel to be alive because that was the original plan. And Holmes said, oh, man, we need to go on the run for a while um, because Peitzel's also on the run and we got to follow him. So he kept saying, oh, Peitzel's moving here. Peitzel's moving there. We got to go to him. And then they get there and be like, he's not here. We got to go somewhere else. Um, and they believed him. They went on this with him. Uh, even more impressive is that he convinced Peitzel's wife to split the family up and give Holmes two of her children to Why? watch. Annie and Nellie. Uh, because Holmes said the police would be looking for a mother with five children, not three. But didn't they have seven kids? Uh, two of them were moved out already. They, oh, were, they, oh, they oh. were old. They were gone. So she had five at home at the time. And he was like, oh, man, you you stick out like a sore thumb with, with five kids. So just give me two of them. But I guess he, like, wasn't clothing or feeding the kids. So he was also, like, this immaculate, like immaculately dressed man walking around with what looked like two, um, like, please, may I have some more kids, like, walking after him? So it, it didn't really. He also kind of stood out. Is a little conspicuous for sure. Yeah, why would he do that though? It just doesn't make sense. Um, was yeah, he like? I think. Well, here's the thing. So he didn't want to pay Peitzel's portion of the insurance, right? He damn well doesn't want to pay his family any money. Yeah. So I think he was gonna get rid of all of them just like one by one. Um. Mm. And he, he kept contacting Peitzel's wife, constantly telling them to move to the next city, but never telling them where he and her children were. And he was even hiding uh, her letters to her children from them. and Those poor little girls. And vice versa. We actually know this because we have letters from Alice and Nellie asking why their mother wasn't writing them. But she was. He just wouldn't give them the letters. Um, at one point, he actually even stationed them like, three blocks away from each other without any of them knowing that they were that close. Um, unfortunately, though, Miss Peitzel would never see Alice or Nellie ever again, as Holmes later admitted to convincing them to enter a trunk before locking it and boring a hole in the top. He then fed a tube into the hole what the fuck? and attached it to a gas canister, which he used to asphyxiate the children to death and then
buried them in the basement of his Toronto home, which he was hiding out at at the time. They were discovered later by a detective from Pennsylvania who was searching for them. Those poor kids. Yeah. Later that year, in 1894, the Pinkerton Detective Agency finally caught up with Holmes in Boston and held him on a warrant for, of all things, horse theft that he had in Texas. Uh, They took him back to Pennsylvania, uh, but the police were in Chicago investigating the murder castle. Upon investigation, they found the lime pits, the furnace, the footprint in the vault, the grease shoots to the basement, and the gas controls to the rooms, and finally realized the kind of monster they were dealing with. They moved forward with pressing charges for the only murder that they could make sure they got him for. Peitzels. A trial ensued, in which Holmes dismissed his counsel and represented himself for a majority of it until all seemed lost. When he brought back his counsel, uh, theorized because he wanted someone to blame the loss on. Uh, Mrs. Peitzel testified in the case about the chase that Holmes had sent her on, uh, thinking that her husband was still alive and the death of her two children. Um, In addition, this was seen as a big turning point for the trial as it was supposedly a very emotionally moving testimony. In addition, other victims' families testified, such as the former husband of Julia Smythe, who Holmes had cucked earlier, uh, testified about the death of his former wife and daughter. After a short deliberation, the jury had returned with a verdict. Guilty. And he was sentenced to death. Good. Holmes maintained his innocence for a while, even writing a manuscript during the trial that became popular, painting this as a frame job and a witch hunt, and that he was innocent, because at this time, this was one of the most sensationalized cases ever. Oh, I'm sure. H.H. Holmes is highly regarded as the first American serial killer. He is the first convicted serial murderer um, in American history. So this was a big thing. So they published this everywhere. But he flipped on a dime after William Randolph Hearst, the newspaper magnate who you might remember from our episode about the death of Thomas Ince, which took place on Hearst's boat. Um, He offered Holmes $7,500 to confess to his crimes in writing so he could print it in the headlines. Holmes took the money and wrote a detailed confession to 27 different murders, including all of the ones he was accused of and sprinkling a few more in uh, just for good measure. Starting starting it off with a now infamous quote. <clears throat> yes, I was born with the devil in me. I was born with the evil standing as my sponsor besides the bed where I was ushered into the world and he has been with me since. It didn't stay with him that long, however, as on May 7th, 1896, Holmes was hanged to death outside the Moyamensing prison in Philadelphia. His rope did not break his neck. And after 15 minutes of struggle and choking, Herman Mudgett, a.k.a. Henry Howard Holmes, was pronounced dead at last. After his death, he asked for his casket to be buried encased 10 feet deep in the ground and encased in concrete out of the fear that his grave would be robbed. Nah, fuck off, dude. Just like he had robbed so many in college so that people would not get the chance to open him up and see what made him tick. 
In response to claims that H.H. Holmes was not the man put to death that day, his body was exhumed in 2017 upon the opening of his coffin. His body had been so well-preserved by the concrete that his mustache was still intact, as well as most of his clothes, over a hundred years later. He was positively identified and returned to his tomb, however. Could you imagine how bad that smelled? I mean, it might be all gone by then. Who knows? Uh, Marion Hedgepeth was pardoned for his work in locating homes, but was later killed in a shootout with police in 1909. Years after... The caretaker of the murder castle, Patrick Quinlan, committed suicide by strychnine, leaving only a three-word suicide note behind, leaving people to wonder what he had seen in his time at the hotel. And that note simply read, I couldn't sleep. Well, and I know you don't believe in ghosts, but I do, and I'd have to think that place was haunted AF. Uh, speaking of Holmes is famous or... Infamous, I should say, murder castle. Uh, if you are a morbid traveler and wanted to see the site yourself, you will be poorly disappointed. As soon after the entire place was destroyed in a fire. Oh, yeah. Uh, the site was torn down in 1938, and in its place was built the Englewood Post Office, which still stays there to this day. Um, I would not build anything there. Still a post office. So if you want to mail a package, you can head down to uh, 63rd Street and go to the Inglewood Post Office and be like, this is, people died here. Um, I'm sure more people have died in that post office since. I mean, probably. It's been a long time. All right. So uh, that that's, that's most of the story. But uh, there's a little caveat here at the end. Um, I had a dilemma when putting this episode together. And that was exactly how I wanted to tell this story you might have noticed that i said a lot of things like it is said or it is purported or they say this um this is not just for uh story telling effect but rather there has been many tellings of the home story that are rooted in historical documentation that say a lot of the claims that are spread about him many of them i said here are actually false hmm. um like the fact that the police found anything of note in the hotel when they searched it, it turns out that's not true. Uh, there is no contemporary documentation from then that says they found anything at the hotel. And that means no shoots, no gas pipes. Uh, they did find a glass furnace and some bones in the basement, but that's it. They, they did find secret rooms, but I guess they were used to store items that Holmes had bought on credit so that when creditors came, they couldn't find them. Mm. They couldn't, like, repossess them. But all of the other things, like the torture rooms and things that people said were there, there's not actually any evidence from the time that says that happened, even from the original police reports. It's all in the newspaper articles that were released after the fact. Interesting. And in books. So later. it's a lie! Um... Or, by the way, the couple that Holmes murdered for the drugstore in Chicago, well, there is actually documentation that they lived well past Holmes and into the 20th century. Both of them, even the one that supposedly had cancer. Uh, and a lot of the other people that uh, Holmes had claimed to have murdered turned out to like still be alive like way after he died. Well, it is a thing with serial killers that where they will just say they've killed people. Just oh, to... especially if you pay him $7,500. Yeah. 
So that's almost what he killed Peitzel for, to be fair. Yeah. Um, also, supposedly the hotel portion of the castle wasn't even finished until after the World's Fair, which means the entire hypothesis of him luring guests to the hotel also might just be completely false. Um, even Harold Schechter, the author of one of the most quoted H.H. H. Holmes books, Depraved, um, who is a great true crime writer. He's written a lot of really big historically or as historically accurate as possible exposés on a lot of popular serial killers. Um, he has walked back some of the things that he said and, and said that many, I mean, he spread a lot of these ideas and he said that many of them are actually probably myths spread by yellow journalism, which we also talked about during the death of Thomas Ince mm -hmm. episode. You'll, you'll remember that uh, we, it, it, Thomas Ince probably died of like an ulcer. Yeah. But because of yellow journalism, they said that he was murdered. Yeah. Uh, and this was probably some of the same thing. It was around the same time. Um, I, however, decided I would rather tell the interesting story, but still do my due diligence at the end by telling everyone that although Holmes was definitely a murderer, he definitely killed people probably around seven to eight. Um, he very well may not have been the devil with the murder mansion that he is widely painted to be, but rather a depraved con man who was willing to murder people just to get money. Um, they actually don't even think he, a lot of people say now that he might not have even been like a true serial killer. Like he, his motive was almost definitely business most of the time to like kill people just to get something, get money. Still, that's a lot of people to kill. Yeah. Any, anything more than zero is a lot, is a lot in, in my, uh, in my experience. Um, so was HH H. Holmes a demon? Was he the devil in the white city? Maybe not, but a story of being a con man that wanted nothing more than money in this world is still applicable to this show. Most of his money may have been fake. We don't really know. Uh, but H.H. Holmes definitely appeared as a millionaire to the outside world. In reality, he was merely refusing to pay for things and murdering people to take their valuables. Now, millionaires still do that today. Eh, well, fair. Uh, maybe a little bit more indirectly, but yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh and when the law finally caught up to him, he would split. There are many questions of what H.H. H. Holmes was in reality, but I think we can at least narrow it down to evil dude. Uh, the world's Columbian exposition may represent one of the stars on the Chicago flag, but H.H. H. Holmes represents the darker side to the city. The evil within the splendor. And with this and the story of Leopold and Loeb last season, Something was definitely wrong with this year's city in the early 1900s. Yes. So thank you guys for listening. Yes, another season finale. That's, that's the story of H.H. H. Holmes and the end of season nine. Hell yeah. Uh, we're coming up on a round 10. A round 10 coming up. We we're going to hit our 100th episode. Yeah, so uh, it's probably already passed, but we're gonna well, go ahead. Yeah, we're but... gonna go ahead and call episode one of season ten our hundredth episode because we get to make it up. No one gives a shit. No one's yeah. going back and counting. It's our show. We make the rules. Yeah. Next episode, it, not if I release a, a bone, uh, like a small claim score, that won't be the hundredth episode. Uh, but our. Season 10, episode one, will be the 100th episode of White Collars, Red Hands. Damn. So join us for that. Maybe we'll do something fun. Yeah. I think we should get pizza. Just just eat it while there's nothing there's nothing people love more than listening to someone chew while listening to a podcast.
Stop it. I'm already annoyed. Um, so yeah, so thank you guys for listening, for supporting us uh, through nine seasons. It's it's been it's been a ride. And this season's been even more interesting because I've been in grad school the whole time, uh, and I've been busy as hell. So thank you. Yeah, he's been stressing me out. So thank you for sticking with us. Uh, I've still had fun doing these episodes. Uh-huh. Um, it's just I'm sticking a lot of other information in this year brain, so I don't remember everything as much all the time. Uh, but- You're like me. Yeah, I'm just I'm just like Nina now, but only here. It's and it's because the rest of my brain is taken up with chemical engineering. Um, I know, I know. Uh, you make this big, and then I won't have to do that, and then I can just like I can just like speak into a microphone and get paid. I'd love that. Me too. Mm-hmm. And you can do it. And you know how you do it. You tell f- them how, Sh- Kashan. You can you can give us a rating or leave us a review share uh, our stuff share our stuff you can you can leave us a rating on spotify or on apple podcasts uh and you can write us a review on apple podcasts if you're listening there which most of you are less than 80 percent now we've spread out uh, across some other platforms now but still a solid like 60 percent of you are listening on apple podcasts thanks guys so if you are uh and you haven't done that yet do it what are you what are you doing uh that's Totally free. Another free way to do it. Uh, just incessantly recommend us uh, to all of your friends, your family, um, people you hate. I don't care. I'll, I'll take any recommendation. Tell anyone you know to listen to this podcast, uh, and and we'll, we'll we'll take them. We don't we don't discriminate. Anyone can listen to us. Um, even people we don't like. I don't care. Go ahead. Uh, free, 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 free. You can also uh, you can also. Follow our socials. Hell yeah. You can follow our socials. That's also free. Uh, Facebook.com slash white collars red hands. Twitter at white collars pod. Uh, Instagram at white collars underscore red hands. We're also on TikTok. That's guess what? It's white collars red hands. Uh, you can DM us on there. Start a discourse. I just had someone message us the other day and say that they love what we're doing. Uh, left us a review on Facebook, which was also Aww, very nice. Thanks, and guys. said they were binging, binging the show right now. So thank you so much for contacting us. We love hearing that from you guys. So if you want to do that, uh, feel free. Go ahead. Drop us a line anywhere. You can also drop us a line at our email, whitecollarsredhands at gmail.com. We also do a fan-submitted episode Every single season. So if you want to submit an episode please. For, ne- for next season, please please do that. And you can submit that also to the email or DM us on one of those social medias. And we'd love to we'd love to do your idea next season. Uh, if you want a not-so-free way to support us, you can buy something like what we're wearing right now. White Collars, Red Hands, sweatshirt. Christmas uh, is right around the corner. Nothing. So is Hanukkah. Put a little bit of us under your tree or menorah. Uh, so you you can go there at uh, tpublic.com. The the uh, link is in the show description. Or you can go to our website, whitecollarsredhands.com, and click the little button that says, check out the merch, and you can buy straight from there. You can also listen directly off our website or find all the links to uh, different things on there, if, or different listening platforms if you want as well. There's also a, a communication area there where you can drop us a line. So uh, if you don't want to email us for some reason, uh, you can do that. I think Man, that's it. I, I think that's it as well. So uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, and we'll see you on another season of White Collars. Red, Red Hands. hands.